Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now here are our topics. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. For everyone out there who is checking out my podcast for the first time, thank you for checking out the podcast. To everyone out there who is returning from a past episode where you listened and thought to yourself, I'll check this out again. I appreciate it also. To all the subscribers, thank you. To all the people who put up with my posts on Instagram, thank you. As we get started today, there are three things that we're going to be talking about. Uh, in the first segment here, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the stimulus, just things that I did not get a chance to touch on last episode. And in my main segment, I have a friend come on to the podcast by the name of Hunter. He is a Trump supporter, and he wanted to give me his thoughts on why he voted for Trump. And then the two of us discuss the ongoing stimulus issues and in my final segment i will be reacting to my interview with hunter but first if you haven't already please follow me on instagram at independent thought i post things to my story daily so that is the best place to keep up with the podcast with that being said let's dive in so for the last few weeks here we have been hearing nothing but the stimulus as far as news was concerned. There's a couple of things going on besides that. Obviously, the Georgia Senate runoff election comes to mind. I'm also going to touch on that at the very end of this episode. I'm sorry, at the very end of this segment. But I just wanted to touch on the stimulus one more time before we unfortunately have to turn the page on it. Because it's, it's an important thing that I feel like needs a little bit more context before we dive into a different topic. When the bill came to a vote a week or so ago, it was a 5,593-page document. It was a document that was placed in front of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and they were given six hours to read the bill before they could vote on it. How fast are you able to read? Can you read 5,500 pages in six hours of legalese, no doubt? I mean, I don't think there was really any great pictures. I'm, I'm sure the storytelling wasn't that dynamic. How fast can you read 5,500 pages? The reason I, I, I say this, I, I, I'm sure it's pretty obvious, but it's crazy to me that we are that that is a normal practice in the government, apparently, that these massive bills are just dumped in front of Congress people with only hours to look them over before a crucial vote. I mean, imagine what we're talking about here. We are currently living at a time where there is so much economic uncertainty that all we are asking for is for the government to give us our money back because we need it more than ever and they are in the most 
just asinine ways possible going about this process. They are creating a giant spending package that is sending money all over the world instead of keeping it here in this country. And they're trying to tell us that there's really just not that much money left over for us. Can we talk about really quickly where some of this money is going? Because we've been hearing for a couple of weeks now that they don't have enough money to give us these $2,000 checks that everyone's heard about. They're like, oh, you're lucky you got the $600 checks. Nancy Pelosi herself said that we should feel lucky that we're even getting $600 checks. So where is all the money going that is in this bill if it can't go to us? Let's take a look. $86 million is going to Cambodia. $134 million is going to Burma. $1.3 billion is going to Egypt. Pakistan is getting $25 million. $450 million is going to Ukraine. $700 million is going to Sudan. Why? Now, I, I don't know what those countries are going through right now. I, I'm not that, you know, like well read on the struggles of those individual nations right now. I don't know what's going on over there. But the question needs to be asked, why are those nations getting our taxpayer money? Why are why is the money that's coming out of our checks right now going to other nations during a time of crisis when we need that money? I'm not saying that those people don't deserve it. I'm not saying that they're not going through troubling times themselves. I'm not saying we shouldn't help them. But ask yourself, does it really feel right that at a time when we are struggling mightily, that we are sending money to other countries? I'm not saying we shouldn't do it in different circumstances, but it does feel a little weird that we're doing it right now. It doesn't feel like a good idea to me. Tell me if I'm wrong. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter. Tell me your feelings on this because I am very conflicted. I'm less conflicted about some of the other money that's being used in this package. There is five, there's $60 million that's going to the Kennedy Center. The Kennedy Center, just for reference sake, is a performance art studio that is in Washington, DC. Not a bad way to use money, but the problem with that is that the $60 million for the Kennedy Center is a center that is currently closed. So money that could be going to businesses that are trying to stay afloat is going to a facility that is closed, has been closed for months, and it will continue to be closed for the foreseeable future. Doesn't make sense to me. But then again, tell me if you think I'm wrong. There's also $560 million going for FBI construction projects. Okay. <laughs> And then finally, there is a billion dollars going to Smithsonian's. Again, I like Smithsonian's. I've been to multiple of them. I love going to Washington, D.C. and seeing the numerous Smithsonian's. I believe there's over 50 of them. I in no way think that that is a waste of money. But the question is, is that where the money should be going right now? Is that the best use of our money currently? Is a billion dollars into Smithsonian renovations the best way to use that money currently in this economy, given what everyone's going through? I mean, have, has anyone really quantified what we're going through? There is currently over 200,000 businesses that have closed permanently. 
since the beginning of this pandemic. That is people who lost their way of life permanently, not temporarily, permanently, never opening their doors ever again. There is an eviction crisis happening across our country right now where over 40 million people are facing evictions. And we have millionaires like Nancy Pelosi, who I will point out is worth $114 million herself, having never worked anything other than a public service job in her entire life, where you only make 175K a year. So try to tell me how that math works. But I digress away from what seems like obvious corruption with the amount of money that she's worth to just ask a simple question. How is it that when we have so much economic uncertainty that we are spending money in these places that don't make any sense? And then we also have people like Mitch McConnell, who is a senator from possibly the poorest state in the country doing everything he humanly can to keep the people of his state and every other state from getting any kind of relief whatsoever. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. It also doesn't make any sense to me how Kentucky continues to vote for this man. Almost 70% of Kentucky would be eligible for these $2,000 checks. Almost 70% of the people live in that state because the average household income in that state is so low. In fact, close to, there's been almost a 40% increase in food insecurity in the state of Kentucky since this pandemic hit America. And what does Mitch McConnell do during this time? He's tried every single way possible to keep Americans from getting a $2,000 check because we have to think about the deficit, he says. But then just when he's decided that the deficit wasn't you know, like that important to him anymore, he said that, oh, well, maybe we can get $2,000 checks to people if and only if the Democratic Party agrees to repealing Section 230 which is something that we touched on in the last episode. I'm not going to go over it again just now, but for those of you who are interested, please go back to my last episode and it will explain a little bit more in detail about what section 230 is. It, this, this is just madness to me. It, it's absolute madness. But this is business as usual in Washington, and this is what so many people in this country are pissed off about, which is why everyone hates the quote unquote, the establishment. We are so tired of politics as usual. This is the reason why this type of stuff right here is the reason why politicians like Bernie Sanders and Andrew Yang and even Donald Trump are popular because so many people in this country are just tired of this being our normal. We are literally suffering across this country, and these people are playing games with our lives, not caring about the repercussions whatsoever. And now, not only that, but some of them are feigning to care by talking about how, well, you know, I would support the checks, but the deficit is where it is. And I I'm just so sick of everyone using the deficit as any kind of excuse. The next person who says the deficit just needs to be smacked in the face because they do not care about the deficit. They just use it as an excuse. The only person who actually cares about the deficit in the entire country, his name is Rand Paul. And I'm not even sure if he actually cares about it, but he's been consistent on it. Anyway, the Democrats swear up and down that they're gonna to try to find a way to give us more stimulus if and only if the two Georgia senators, well, 
people who are running for Senate in the state of Georgia, Warnock and Ossoff get elected because if they get elected, the Democrats will have the majority in the Senate and the House and Joe Biden will be president. So they believe they'll be able to get anything through once that happens. So they're staking everything on the Georgia Senate races. I have spent not that much time talking about these Senate races because I do not really have a whole lot of faith that the Democrats are going to pull this off. When David Perdue, you know, ran against John Ossoff in November, Perdue was up by over 100,000 votes. And so I have a hard time believing that that many people are going to just flip their votes between now and then. I've heard other people tell me that they think that a lot of Republicans will protest because they're so upset about how the general election went. We'll find out. Maybe we'll know by the time you're already listening to this episode. I do not know. I know that the Democrats need to win both of those seats in order to get the majority. So for those who don't know, this is a general breakdown. Georgia has a law set up to where if you do not get at least 50% of the votes in an election, in a Senate election, or in a congressional election, you have to go to what's called a runoff, where only the top two contenders can face each other, so that there has to be at least 50% of the votes. You know, it just kind of takes out all the third-party candidates. Now, neither, you know, like no candidate received that in November, which is why we now have these runoffs. They will be taking place this upcoming Tuesday, uh, the 5th, I believe. And, you know, kind of like around that, you're seeing a bunch of nonsense pop up right now where Republicans in the Senate are saying, are trying to continue to fan the flames of election fraud, saying that there needs to be special commissions about this. And there we need to, you know, figure out what exactly happened with the election. But this is all a stunt just to generate support for the Republican Party as a whole in the state of Georgia, because the Senate Republicans are afraid that too many people might not show up for these elections. So they're stoking the fan, the, well, the flames, basically, of those who believe that the election was stolen. Ted Cruz, for instance, has Facebook ads running across the country right now, uh, asking for donations to, you know, keep the Senate red. But what's funny about that is that he claims in his ad that the money is going to help the Georgia, um, you know, senators, Purdue and Loeffler right now. But funny enough, all the money that he has for his little donation link actually go to his corporate pack, which that's just fun. But I'm not the one donating to it. So not my loss. Anyway, before we transition away from this topic, I just want to say that I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen this upcoming Tuesday with this election. But the one thing that I want everyone to keep in mind is that this politics as usual is going to continue unless more people get vocal about how pissed off they are about it. They are able to operate with this level of impunity because there's been no repercussions. We need to collectively tell the people of, of Washington that we are done with politics as usual. And how do we do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways, but the first and most important thing is do not stay silent about it. I know sometimes even sharing a meme seems kind of silly, but they see that stuff. We just cannot just like treat this as like, oh, well, the election's over. It's time to bury the hatchet on politics. We shouldn't have to wait for election years to care about what's happening in our country. So please do not turn a blind eye to these things. When I come back from the break, 
I will have my guest for this for this week, Hunter. Stay tuned. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana, that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. I am joined here today by my guest, Mr. Hunter Coleman. Hunter, thank you for coming on the show today. Ooh, I get a mister in front of my name. How nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hunter is um, Hunter's a good friend. You know, uh, him and I uh, worked on the Lip Service podcast quite a bit over the summer. We, uh, at least I am hoping, I'm, I'm not sure if you are also, that we get to go back on there soon. But taking a bit of a hiatus from that right now. But I'm glad that you're able to come on to my podcast today and talk about a few things. So thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to do it. Yeah. So I told the listeners at home that I was going to have, you know, a couple different, you know, people on this season who had voted for Trump during the election, because I think my audience for the most part is pretty left leaning. And there's, you know, there's just that division in our politics right now where it feels like people just don't talk to each other. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of get some other people on here just to give like an ulterior perspective. Like, what is it? You know, so let's just jump right into it, really. Like, what was it about President Trump that kind of made you, like, gravitate towards and made you want to vote for him in the first place? Oh, man. It's hard to talk about it in front of an entirely left audience sometimes. <laughs> but I, and I don't think – I think that the biggest problem is everything that I say is going to be like, that's not true. He didn't do that. But – or, like, that it was all horrible. I hear things like that he's a racist and all that stuff. But he's absolutely, in my opinion, one. That's, that's important. He's not a racist, despite what people say and all the stuff you hear. I just don't think he's a racist. And I think that for our economy, it was the best it had ever been. The virus thing, whatever. 
Uh, I support his stance on how we handle the virus as well with opening things back up, taking care of the elderly. Um, as far as like in policy against China, uh, huge fan of the way he handled relations with them, putting in a lot of tariffs. Um, the peace deals in the Middle East with the United Arab Emirates, that was a big deal for me. He has pulled out tons of troops out of Syria um, and people hated it the whole time. Remember he, uh, the Soleimani, right? He got that yes. guy. Oh no, he's starting World War Three for killing that guy that's killed hundreds of American soldiers. How dare he? Yeah, you know? I, I think I actually, my, one of my first, no, not one of my first, my first three episodes were on that exact topic. So I think I was one of those people who was critical of that move. Not because I thought that he was a good guy. I just thought that it was a, a dangerous move. Right. But, yeah. I but don't... he saved lives is the thing at the end of the day. And people, it's easy to always live in this world where no matter what he does, you're going to hate it. And then even if nothing goes wrong after, you're not going to then credit him for having made the right choice. You're going to say he got lucky that nothing bad happened instead of, in my opinion, when things work out right, you get credit for them working out right. If things go wrong, you get blamed for them going wrong. That's your job as someone who's in charge. Okay. So when things go right, you get credit for them going right. When the economy goes well while you're in office, you get credit. If the economy fails while you're in office, you get the blame. If you kill someone and World War III happens, absolutely. If you don't kill someone and World War III happens, you also get the blame. You know what I mean? If he hadn't done that and something bad had happened, Everyone would have been very quick to blame him on the left. Everyone would be very quick to defend him on the right. I'd say it's your fault because it happened. Okay, that, that's a fair. I, I see where you're coming from. I understand your point of view on that. You know, he does take a lot of criticism. You know, a lot of it, you know, personally, I feel is warranted. Some of it I feel like is just the media trying to create news because, you know, they have to always have some kind of story running. Um, as far as, you know, Democrats are concerned, though, what was it about, like, their party as a whole where you were like, you know what, I just can't touch them? Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, Desmond, you're killing me here. <laughs> I know that everyone listening is going to be like, wow, what an asshole. Um, but Joe Biden's got dementia. I mean, he's got dementia or something. Something's not good there. And, I mean, they put him up there. And I'll tell you, I'm not 100% sure, right? I hear a lot of stuff because I do talk to a lot of people on the right. I hear stuff about him being just taken out three months in and they'll just pretend it was natural causes. They, I hear things about them putting him in jail for what Hunter Biden did now that Trump's out of the way and then having Kamala run the country because that's what they want, but she couldn't pull well. I hear all kinds of things like that. So I, I think that if Bernie Sanders, so this is a thing you might know about me. A lot of people might not though. Andrew Yang, my number one guy, Democrat. Bernie yeah. Sanders, my number two guy, Democrat. Do you know why? They both I, oh, go ahead. Go work. ahead. They both don't work for the establishment. They both fight for something they actually believe in, despite like the simple corporate view of business as usual, the swampy behavior, you know, that you hear a lot of people on the right talk about. So, you know, while we like round off this topic, because I'm not going to like, you know, make you answer, you know, a bunch of like Trump questions today. But while we like round off this topic, is it fair to say that like if 
would you have voted for another Republican besides Trump? Or did you just vote for Trump because he kind of, a lot of people think of him as being anti-establishment? Yeah, that's exactly what it is for me. Um, I've never voted for a Republican. I voted for Obama. And I voted for him because of Medicare. I thought he could do some good. I don't think it went as well as you would want. Uh, it's working out fine for me, but, you know, right. I've heard a lot of things. Um, so I, and honestly, as far as like where I was in high school, I'm the same place. I'm at the same place I was all my life. It's just that that used to be very highly liberal. And now it's considered not far left enough where I'm at, right? I'm pro-gay marriage. I'm pro-abortion to a certain extent, uh, pro any rights for everyone as long as they all get treated the same. And that used to be basically what Democrat was. And then it's like, I stayed right there and I said, great, we got gay marriage. And they're like, okay, that's not enough now. Now we need women to be fighting or men to be fighting women in an MMA fight and just watch that woman get the shit kicked out of her because this guy thinks he's a girl. <laughs> oh, touching on a, on, a, on a really sensitive subject there. Right. Uh, the, the, the trans issue is something that I, I don't want to get into there today. I, uh, I personally do not understand why so many people have a hard time with the issue, like from an outside perspective. Like for me, if someone wants to identify as a different gender, I mean, I don't, it doesn't bother me. Just tell me what you want to be called. I, I, I just don't see the issue with it, but. For sure. I'm all about that. Definitely call yourself and I'll respectfully call anyone. And I have friends that are, but it's stuff like that, that I think happened. And especially you're asking the general question is why can't I mess with the Democrats? Those social issues and how far they've gone are the reason why, because they, skew reality in my opinion when they get into their social thinking okay well that's definitely something that i, I think we should come back to uh, a little bit later in the in the episode here because i think i want to dive into that a little bit more but one of the things that we said that we were going to talk about today uh is that we were going to talk about this the the stimulus that's been going on because right now it doesn't matter if you're a democrat or republican it seems that both of the House or both of the parties in the House and the Senate seem to be just dragging their feet, not getting things done. And the rest of us are kind of wondering what the hell's next when it should already be over. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I have, you know, put out my feelings on my most on my most recent episode before this kind of like just basically attacking, you know, both parties talking about how, you know, there was an attempt to get things done over the summer by Nancy Pelosi in the House. That got shot down. There was an attempt by Trump right around the election to get something done. That got shot down. And now the bill that's coming to, you know, to the president now is basically a joke where they're giving people $600, you know, a one-time payment. And they're telling us that we should feel lucky to even get that. How do you feel when you hear, like, Congress talk about things like that? So... Uh, I mean, so in my opinion, right, and I have nothing to back it up, obviously, but I feel like it's all planned. It's all planned. It's just they, they know that they're not going to get anything done, and then they need more news stories, and they need to make it seem like they're doing this or that, but really they're doing nothing. And It I definitely feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? It feels like, you know, they knew all along they didn't want to do anything, and now they just put something out there that 
is just a virtue signal so that both sides can seem like they're getting something done. I, I do agree with that. This feels like it's very centered towards the Georgia runoff, in my opinion. It, it feels like both parties are trying to signal to their bases that they're quote unquote trying to help. Because I, I honestly do not believe that we would be in the situation right now for getting any stimulus whatsoever if the Georgia like Senate like seats never even went to a runoff in the first place. So here's here's my question about that then is if that's the case, then why would Trump come out and do something that would hurt the senators running for the Republicans in Georgia by saying he wants two thousand dollars and uh, pretending he was going to refuse to sign the bill for you six hundred. I've been hearing some reports about that. It sounds like, you know, Trump on one hand is more concerned with propping himself up that, you know, he wants to seem like the president who advocated for these things because it seems as though he's going to make another run uh, for president for the 2024 race, as well as he doesn't seem to care as much about what's happening with these Senate races because he feels betrayed by a lot of Republicans in the Senate who have not backed him enough with the voter fraud allegations so as a as another perspective would it be possible that he just really wanted to help americans who were struggling i don't know i mean it's hard for me to believe it i mean honestly i don't i'm not a mind reader i can't read trump's minds but as much time as i've spent kind of like going across his dealings how he conducts himself he doesn't come across to me, and this is honestly, this is a subjective opinion. You know, I'm not, I can't definitively say anything, but to me, he doesn't come across as the kind of politician who actually cares about helping people. And to be 100% fair, I don't think most of them are. I think there's a very, very, very few people in Congress or in government total who actually care about helping people. This isn't really like, oh, there's a few evil people. I think they're mostly corrupt. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the big intersections between you and I politically is I think we both agree that for the most part, there needs to be a lot of change in the political system. You know? Yes, definitely. No, so when I saw like a Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin come out recently talking about how, you know, we shouldn't have any stimulus checks whatsoever. (laughs) And then saying that even $600 was was just like too was almost too much for him and was arguing against the whole idea of $1,200 checks, which was proposed by Senator uh, Hawley and Bernie Sanders, you know, saying that like, oh, we have to worry about the, the deficit. We have to worry about the, the debt. And I was just like, oh, here we go again, talking yeah. about the debt, which we spent how many years talking about the debt, which all of a sudden just went away completely the last four years. Like, does that make any sense? Yeah, I absolutely i think i think they'll just say whatever feels like whatever i i don't know who here's here's the thing i know that these people are really like me at least at some level they go home at night they're with their families they're just doing normal people's stuff so they can't be diabolical geniuses 24 7 figuring out how to manipulate and control the people right but there are people pulling these strings like companies right that spend eight hours a day at least right these just people are spending eight hours a day figuring out how to control all these things and what they think is best and how basically they, they treat us like we're stupid. And then they tell Ron Johnson what to say, you know, to explain to the stupid people that don't understand why $600 is bad for them, right. you know? And, and it's like, that's not, 
Let's give them their appropriate name. Their name is Lobbyists. (laughs) That's true. For the most part, I think it is. It's Lobbyists. Yeah. So their only job. (laughs) You know, Lobbyists, you know, are for people who don't know, I'm sure most people do. But for those who don't know, the Lobbyists are people who work for giant companies, mostly, who will just basically hang out in Capitol Hill bribing. um, Yes, I'm saying bribing. Uh, bribing. Yeah, legal bribing. Yeah. Uh, members of the House and Senate to pass legislation or to not pass legislation that will directly benefit them. And then they reciprocate by just, you know, finding ways to get campaign contributions to said representative so that they can, you know, run their next cycle um, more well funded, I guess. Right. It's right. insane. Yeah, it, it's it's a corrupt system. It's it's honestly it's hard to have a political podcast sometimes because it's hard to know. There's so much muck. It's hard to know yeah. what to direct your attention to. But the thing that I can't like get off of is why do they keep talking about the national debt as if they actually care about it? Because I I feel like after the last four years where Republicans seem to spend whatever they want to. I, it, there was no talks of the debt the last four years. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you hear them talk about the debt the last four years at all? Not much. And I've, I've done a little bit of research, not as much on the history, but on the general idea, because I think there's a lot of, uh, just a lot of things that people don't understand about the debt in general. What do you know about the debt? Could you tell us anything? So, you know? so I, I mean, it's still a pretty generalized thing but and of course I would, i'd love to hear if i'm if i'm mistaken on any of this if there's someone that could correct me and give me some links or some information i'd definitely appreciate that but from what i've read it seems like basically the way that the deficit works is that it's relative so like if we have 25 percent, and we do we have about 25 percent of the world economy is in the u.s and we have like 20 let me look it up again make sure i have the right uh, in fiscal year 2019, we had 22.8 trillion, uh, and of course, this year it's way up from there. I'm sure, so it's probably like 26 trillion. So, given that that's a really high number, right? Yeah, and there is. there were some other companies, um, for example, let's see, Qatar, Mackay, Kuwait, and Brunei have some of the largest budget surpluses in the world. Right, so they have surpluses where we have a deficit of 22 trillion uh, as of last year. And yeah. here's the thing, though, they're not in better shape than us at all. So that makes it seem like the deficit is kind of a joke and an arbitrary money, uh, uh, arbitrary boogeyman. I'd call it a boogeyman, right? They just scare you with it, even though they don't know what it means. Right. Uh, because, and the reason that that happens is because it's firmly in the middle of the pack in relative terms, right? So you'll have people that like if UK has 22 trillion in debt and we have 2 trillion in debt, 22 trillion in debt, really we might as well be at a surplus. That's not exactly how, but I'm trying to make it easy to understand. If you have a ton of money coming into your economy, you can have a bigger debt deficit and still be ahead of the game. So really even if, and, and even in worst case scenario, right? Like what happens if the government just does whatever the hell they want and they say, here's $500 trillion, they just print it all out. The bad thing then is that the bills cannot all be backed by the full faith of the United States government. 
So, so money becomes worthless after a while. Well, that, but also like, it doesn't necessarily mean inflation happens, but when someone tried to say, okay, well, I want to trade in my US dollar for a Chinese dollar, a Euro, we'll say Euro, because I know what that one is, a yen, a Euro, whatever it is. And when you do that, you wouldn't be able to do it anymore. You couldn't back that money with the faith of the United States anymore on the world economy. It's like uh, United States is your parents and they've promised that they'll give you $100, but they've only got 30 in their bank account. So when you ask for your $100 that you were supposed to be over for allowance for all that cleaning you did, you only get 30, buddy. Sorry. That's all right. we got. And then, it, then your money no longer, because right now the universal currency is the dollar. And eventually that would not be the case anymore. And then we would have to go to another country, probably China. So it, it does matter to an extent. But what I would say is that we're nowhere close to the numbers and that adding more to the debt isn't necessarily a problem. And there's a thing called modern monetary theory that goes more into that. Um, and I, I don't really have enough. I don't want to go too far into it because it's in a big book and I didn't read the whole thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty towards the end. Though. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, let, let's just be fair. Let, let, let's just say this really quickly about, about the deficit and the debt. You know, it sounds like it has some merit on the global scale about why we should be, you know, cognizant of it, why we should pay attention to it, why it should matter. It is, I believe, a failure on government's part that they haven't done a better job explaining to the rest of the country why it matters so much because they constantly use it as a crux about why they can't get things done, but yet they don't really do well enough, in my opinion, to explain to the everyday person why this matters to us, why we should care about this, and why you're using it as a tactic to keep us from getting things done. And I, I think it's also really gross that they would use it during this time. I mean, yeah. a pandemics happen once every hundred years. We're experiencing a financial, you know, like crisis that we've only faced maybe a few times in the entire like times of like our nation existing. And they want to kind of put the stop on helping the economy during a time like this. It just, it seems very, just very nefarious to me. Not I, to I, mention, I, not to mention what they're willing to do. Right. Not to mention what they're willing to spend the money on, if not us, you right. know? Yeah. Cause you've seen some of the other of things. Yeah. I've seen some of the other projects that they have in that omnibus bill where they were sending money to all sorts of different countries, but yet they couldn't give us anything that we need. Right. So it, it, it seems very, very disgusting to me. But, you know, speaking about how awful certain things can be, you know, you and I were talking before the, the episode started about just like how divided we are as a nation right now. And you had mentioned that, you know, family members of yours who are a little bit older were saying that they've never seen things as divided as we are like right now. Yeah. I mean, I was on a phone call with my stepdad like a week ago. Right. Just cause I was like, what is going, cause he's hardcore Republican. He's a little bit almost conspiracy level. Oh uh, like he still, he still thinks that Trump's going to win this election and he's, he's just, he's just holding out hope on anything. So his theory, just real quick, his theory is that, Somehow, if they declare the election invalid or something like that, then each state gets one vote. Uh, they send one elector from each state. I don't even know if this is true. I didn't even bother looking it up. But that's his 
that's now that's now what the people that are like super hardcore refusing to acknowledge the truth that's what they're being told now is that Uh, you know to be fair i've heard of one america news and newsmax so i figured someone has to be watching them you know yeah to be fair i i just i don't know the conspiracy theories are are insane i i feel like that will have to have its own episode this season i already kind of promised conspiracy theory episode so (laughs) if you want to come back for that one you are more than welcome to oh they are sure fun i i would be happy to come back for it yeah Uh, but that being said but that being said that's why that's why i had to ask him is this how it always was like is it just that i'm too young or there wasn't that much media coverage because of social media was everyone always like this gung-ho for their side and like upset he's like oh no 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 this is new this is 2016 on you know and i mean i'm guessing it's because of social media you know what i honestly agree i feel like social media has perpetuated this in a way that it wasn't possible before because you know in the past you know when people would have like their issues with the news you know they didn't really have an outlet to express that anger you know usually you would see something on the news you'd go do something else and later on you wouldn't want to talk about it but now we're living in a world where you see something that pisses you off and you could immediately talk about it you know whether it's on facebook twitter instagram what have you and so and then people just kind of get into their little bubbles of like this is how i feel so i'm in this bubble and someone else is in another bubble and you only ever see what's in your bubble and then you think anyone who's outside of your bubble is absolute evil right yeah, and you end up with a problem where people end up deleting all these evil people and then they think that it's crazy when anyone disagrees with them because they've kicked all the people that disagree with them out of their lives. So, yeah. Yeah, no, was- I, I see it myself. There's people that I follow on Instagram and Twitter. I see the stuff that they post on their stories. You might be listening to what I'm saying right now. I might be talking about you. You'll never know. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> sort of kidding, but sort of the truth. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, the certain people will post things where it's just like the things that they're posting are basically definitively saying like anyone who disagrees with this is the problem. And it's like, I understand that there are some definitive things that everyone should agree with, but I feel like those things are not as like broad as we've tried to make them. It feels like, you know, cert- certain people want to lay out that like, if you don't agree with every single thing that I think is the truth, then you are part of the problem that's weighing down our country. And that that division right now is doing more to harm us as a whole than actually help anything. No one ever responds to, hey, I'm going to yell at you until you correct your behavior. Can you name anyone who actually does that? No one, man. That's not how it works. No one responds to that. You're not going to yell at people into submission. That's mm-hmm. not how the world works. And it blows me away that people think that they're going to accomplish anything by doing that. Yeah. You might be able to force them to say what you want in public, but I mean, that's not really changing hearts and minds, which isn't, that's the goal, right? Especially when it comes to like tolerance, I think is a big one. Some people are a little bit intolerant and it's weird to me, but like you have to actually be willing to have a conversation and then maybe accept that maybe you might be a little bit too far one direction to be able to really change anyone. 
you can't you can't get someone to agree to something they don't actually believe in. Telling them you're bad if you don't believe it is not going to get anyone anywhere. Right. You know, one of the things that I was seeing after the election was ending was just like it, it blew me away the popular vote split because it was basically like 51 to 49, right? Right. Like it's like 80 million to 75 million. And all I could think of was people need to come to a point where they realize that, you know, people who voted for Trump aren't some small minority and people who like Democrats aren't some small minority and right. we can't keep treating each other like we don't exist. You know, because that is not going to change anything in this country. And everyone's upset, so it seems like we have to find a way to come together and listen to each other. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe I'm crazy for thinking that way. I, I think one thing we can all do right now, it's really easy for anyone who's a Democrat to do, just accept the election. <laughs> just just move on. Move on and then give, give the guy a chance. Here's, here's what I want. I want Joe Biden, one, to get his full four years. I don't want any of the crazy stuff to happen. I hope he gets four years. And then I want to see what the results are. And again, I, I'm very big on what happens while you're in office. That's your responsibility, good or bad. And so if things in my life go well while Joe Biden's in office, that's going to say something to me. If they go poorly, it's going to say something to me. So that's what I want. I'm excited to see how it goes. Hey, that's a fair, that's a fair thing. You know, I think, you know, that's all that anyone really, I think, logically should ask for but i know that there there's a lot more to the conversation than that also i mean there's a lot of things that have been wrong with the country not just under trump but also under obama just you know and even before that things that have been consistently wrong with this country that need to be addressed and we've all been asking for them to be addressed so hopefully you know we as a country can keep kind of like putting pressure on these people to finally show up and do something for the rest of us. I hope that yeah, we can I all think, agree on that. I think we're getting closer. I think that the, the good side of social media and just uh, connectivity is that we're able to put our ideas together and say, hey, this doesn't make any sense on a lot of things. And I think that both sides are starting to agree on certain things. And then if we can get past the polarizing stuff that they try to do to keep us divided, we'll probably hopefully, you know, we're seeing more people that are progressive, you know, and that really want to do things for the American people. So, by the way, on the right and left, Josh Hawley, I would vote for him. He's good. And, yeah. uh, and I have more people probably on the left that I... I, I will say, you know, as we, as we kind of close this episode out here, I was really impressed by, you know, his push for the $1,200 stimulus checks where he was willing to stand with bernie sanders i mean can you talk about trying to make yourself a bigger you mm -hmm. know like target in the republican party than you know standing with bernie sanders on an issue i'm Absolutely. sure that uh you know he'll have a hard time with that one for the next few years but you know good for him because yep. you know whether or not it was a legitimately you know something that he really cared about or just a political stunt either way it takes courage and it was what he was saying was the right things that needed to be said so mm -hmm. i applaud that but Hunter, thank you for coming on to the show. I know that we have to get you out of here, but definitely love to have you come back on sometime in the future to kind of give us your perspective on things. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, Desmond, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It means a lot to me. I'm happy to be here anytime. Perfect. Well, to everyone else who's listening, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, you'll have my final thoughts of the day. Stay tuned.
Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us on this episode of Independent Thought. For those who have not already, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review if you wouldn't be so kind. And if you're able to, down in the episode notes, please donate to the podcast by clicking on the support link. So as we conclude this episode, I want to just kind of like reflect on the conversation I just had with Hunter. Uh, Hunter is someone who I knew in Great Falls, Montana, where I also uh, used to live. Uh, He now lives in Salt Lake City, so I am definitely collecting people from all over the country to come on this podcast. Um, Actually, I forgot to mention in the last episode that my previous guest was from Houston, Texas. I've been telling people where everyone's at in the country. But anyway, that's either here nor there. So as far as my feelings on this segment are concerned, uh, I thought it was important going forward to get more people onto this podcast who like Trump and who like Republicans. Not because I am thinking like, oh, well, I want to elevate voices of people who believe in Trump. It's more or less like, it's me kind of going back to the first episode of this season where I said that the thing that blew me away was the final popular vote number of the election and how 75 million people in this country voted for President Trump. There is no way to look at that figure and think to yourself, yes, we need to just not care whatsoever about what any of those people think. Because in my mind, that's absolute craziness. I mean, while I don't agree with everything that Hunter thinks, and I don't agree with you know his characterizations of President Trump, which I'm going to get into here in a second, I, I feel like it's important to know where other people are at. We are living in these bubbles right now where we refuse to acknowledge each other's existence. And while we continue to do that, we are not going to move forward. Just my opinion, take it how you want to. This is how I'm choosing to go forward. I want to have these conversations with people. And I think as time goes on, I want to hopefully have more productive conversations. I don't think I was able to ask as many questions as I would have liked to in this particular segment. So I'll definitely try to have him back on in the future. But I thought it was a good place to start. So as far as disagreements, just to lay them all out there, I do not like President Trump. For those who do not know, this is your first time listening to my podcast I just wanted to put that stamp right there. For those who have listened before, you've heard my takes on him. You've heard my episode on him when I did my Trump episode, when I did basically every episode leading up to the election, I think in September and October that I released, they were basically all an indictment on how I felt about Trump and how he antagonizes the people, you know, in this country. So I, I don't like the man. I really don't. I don't think there's really any valuable qualities about him. I know that a lot of people who are on the right are really big proponents of President Trump. They talk about things that he's done. You know, as Hunter was saying, he liked the fact of how tough he was on China. I I understand that China, you know, in a lot of ways is a threat. And there's so many different human rights violations that China is committing right now that I understand that 
you know, we probably as a nation should be more tough on China. So I can understand why someone who likes Trump would like that. That makes sense in my mind. But to say that you think that he's not a racist, I don't believe that. I do think Trump is a racist. To say that, you know, like Trump is doing, a, you know, did a good thing by taking out Soleimani, I'm kind of iffy on that. You know, I, I know that we had talked about that during the episode. I agree that he was a bad person. I still think it was reckless how he went about it. You know, the Middle East peace deals that, you know, he was talking about, those seem kind of like a sham to me. They seem more like virtue signaling on Trump's part because the peace deals that were created by Trump uh, just in the last few months were with Israel and other nations uh, that had no current issues with Israel. So they were peace deals that were created basically with Israel and several other nations, you know, like around, you know, the Gulf um, and the Persian Gulf. And none of these nations were actually nations that were openly hostile towards Israel. They more or less were deals that were economic deals that Israel did, what I think, with the UAE and with Libya, I think, and a couple other nations. They, they weren't nations that were openly like antagonizing Israel. So they more or less don't mean anything other than an economic trade, uh, economic partnership between the nations. They're not really peace deals. They were just framed that way as a PR stunt. So that's not that big of a deal to me. You know, so while Hunter and I disagree on whether or not, you know, Trump is a good person or, you know, a good president, you know, I, I thought it was important to have someone come on who did like President Trump, because I think it's important to understand where people's minds are at, because we can't have honest conversations with each other. We cannot have open dialogue with each other if we're not even willing to listen to each other. I'm sure that it'd be really easy for me to just to start yelling at someone and saying, like, you're wrong about this, you're wrong about that. But I do not believe that we're ever going to really change the polarization of this nation by just yelling at each other. It hasn't worked this far. I mean, that, you know, so far, has it? Has anyone ever changed your mind by them yelling at you, telling you how much of a bad person you are? No, I'm not going to do that either. I want to hear what people have to say and see where we can't find some common ground and then civilly discuss where we disagree. And I'd hope that, you know, other people can understand why I'm taking that route. If your politics are a little more radical than that, I understand that we have a difference of opinion. This is just how I'm choosing to do things. I hope that anyone listening to this podcast can respect that. If you disagree with that, again, please DM me on Instagram and tell me how you feel about this episode. Tell me how you feel about me bringing on people who voted for Trump. Tell me if you think it's a good thing or a bad thing. I wanna hear your thoughts. But the one thing I think that no one should do is be silent. And I'm going to end this episode with another quotation from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. And so with that being said, I will continue to talk on this podcast about the things that matter to me. And I will see all of you next week for another episode of Independent Thought. Thank you for listening. Thank you.